Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 183 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I am Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm learning how not to be incepted. I like driving in my car. It's the best for Redentia. And everything is back to front. Hair! What is it good for? But before we get there, what has happened to you this week in science? Well, not particularly to me at all, but we didn't mention it in the last podcast because we recorded before it happened, but the Pacific blew up. I don't know if you noticed that. The entire Pacific... <laughs> there was the Tonga eruption. It's a Hunga Tonga Hunga Haipe volcano, uh, 60 kilometres north of Tonga's main island, kind of erupted did all sorts of exciting things. Probably killed lots of people. Do we still not know? It's uh, it's really, really hard. It's all coming out now. It's what happened. Uh, well, for those who don't know, massive volcano has been forming since 2010 between two islands. It's been growing out of the sea. Joined two islands together, over 120 metres tall. And that was just the tip of it. Most of the caldera was under the sea. The, those two other islands were part of the caldera, if you want to think of the two of that going around. And then it's what they think happened. There was a slip and the water rushed in and, and of course, water and steam and badness happened and massive explosion. It detonated the entire island. The island that was built is now gone. It's gone beneath the sea again, which is insane. And there were tsunamis. Uh, it cut the internet cable between Tonga and the rest of the world. And now, ah. which is the big problem, of course, they're in contact with Tonga is now in contact with places and the government of Australia and other Pacific nations are working to get back there. There are definitely deaths. No one knows how many deaths at this point. Last time I checked, at the time of recording, there was only three recorded, which seems unlikely because you're talking about places like Vanuatu had a two-meter tsunami come through, and it just you know, that's really, really bad for, a, for an island nation that sits on the sea. Even places along Australia had high tides because of the, the tsunami. Uh, it was very, very devastating. I just think it's incredible. It, it was the equivalent, blast equivalent, of about 40 megatons so that's much, much bigger than the one, the Hiroshima bomb, just to give an idea of, you know, mega tonnage. Oh, Hiroshima's tiny. Tiny. It was, it, it was yeah, a little just boy. just brush it off. It was a little boy. Anyway. Thank you. Um, and then it's about 75% of the Saab bomber nuclear weapon, which is the world's largest ever nuclear weapon. So take that, nature. We could, human beings made a bigger explosion. That was a test in the very north of Russia, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And you can well, go and see the north see, of the Soviet Union. Yes, yeah. You can go see the damage it did on Google Maps if you if you go and look that up. It's, wow, it's still there. So yes, humans much 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 bigger than this thing. I'm not I'm not downplaying it. About two square kilometers of material was thrown into the air by the the Tongan volcano, which is a lot. It's that, certainly that's a lot of ground to be in the sky. <laughs> that's right, and a lot of sulfur dioxide. There was original fear that this would cause widespread cooling. There's been signs. That it's going to be a, a few percent of a degree cooler in the southern hemisphere for a short time, but not a lot. How, how will we notice? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm all down for a couple of percents of degrees. When when it happened, people didn't know how bad it was. Look, it's terrible, and I hate I, I, the excitement in my voice is there, but this is a real human tragedy. You know, that's, like, keep that in mind. But this is only 25 percent the 
power of the Krakatoa eruption of 1883 that led to the year without summer caused global cooling for a whole for a couple of years and destroyed crops around the world and all the rest. 25%. It was bad, but it's not even close to being the worst in, in mm. human recorded history. I get the sense that like it was a big explosion of steam, mm. mostly. Like Obviously, there is oh. plenty of ash. Mm. Yeah, but, and sulfur dioxide. But because it's from under the ocean like that, I wonder whether it's not anywhere near as much dust in it. Because I, I was expecting to see, like, crazy sunsets. And they'd be nice, but I, I vaguely recall a volcano going off when I was younger and the sunsets being insane for a couple of weeks. It's This is the equivalent to the Americans. This is a, double the size of the Mount St. Helens explosion. So the volcano explosion. So, yeah, it's big. It's just not that big. You're kind of right in one respect. It wasn't a massive volcanic explosion comparatively. It's still awful. But it, it did throw a lot of stuff into the, into the troposphere, above the troposphere. It, it threw a lot of material up there. But not as much as you need to destroy mm. everything. And I don't know... If that's because it was under the sea, I don't think it is. I think it blasted things quite happily into the atmosphere. There's fear that this will do it again. It's not probably a one it's and not done. done. It's a subduction volcano. That's when the Pacific plate is going underneath the Australian plate, I do believe, and therefore, and, and as the the plate goes underneath, it melts into the into the magma, uh, into the sorry, into the mantle, and then it forms these volcanoes, which is the ring of fire around the Pacific. So it's a sub. These are the really bad volcanoes, subduction volcanoes. We don't know if the magma chamber, how big it is, and whether or not it's done. It's it's done. It could easily build itself up again quickly, and so they're watching all that now. And it could be worse. Unlikely though. In in the past, you don't normally get a bigger eruption after eruption of this size, but it could. Wow. Yeah insanely cool maybe i should move off the coast yeah well 75 percent of all humans live on the coast somewhere but yeah living on coasts is and that's gonna be a thing in the future you know global warming and rising sea levels and fun yes rising sea levels means slightly less coast <laughs> it does no beaches that's, that's something i had to think about in a hundred years time beaches may be a bit of a thing that you tell your great grandkids about beaches well, the- there are already very few beaches. Like mm. only 5% of coastland is sand. Yeah, because it's a weird thing. It's a very, very specific thing has to happen to form a beach. So if we put it under a metre of water... Hmm. Anyway, we're not here to talk about something as depressing as climate change at this point. We're here to talk about something exciting and depressing like a volcano. But yeah, that was that was my week in science. I, I've been watching that hungrily. There's some beautiful pictures, beautiful video. We'll link to it in the show notes. It happened at local sunset. So amazing pictures of satellites that were sitting overhead and nearby watching the whole dratted thing so it was very mm. well, well well documented like it seems really big and then you look at the globe of earth and you watch it go off on the globe of earth and you're like that's still really big yeah it's, like that's it, a, if i got that on my if, my if my face was the globe and that broke out i wouldn't go out for a week <laughs> that cloud that that famous cloud you see in all the video would stretch from melbourne to sydney that's how big that is so the southeast corner of australia would be covered by that cloud diameter wise probably a bit more actually but yeah but that would be if it had happened on land in australia then we would have just and there we would have lost all our major cities uh, sorry perth <laughs> you're not a major city <laughs> brisbane would rule the world <laughs> and darwin jesus that's a now that's a global <laughs> catastrophe <laughs> We love our Darwin listeners. <laughs> I meant more Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> and Perth's just forgotten. <laughs> what you need to do is you need to blow up the middle of Australia and have two islands, and then you guys can actually finally live out your dreams of being your own <laughs> island. 
Oh, don't even start. As please, Ken Queensland. Please don't even start. Oh, no. How was your week in science? I had a curry. Oh, nice. Do you like, do you like hot foods? <laughs> no, I am very susceptible to pain when it comes to curries. I've never built up a resistance to it, and it hurt. Even mild curries, I don't understand them. I'm very much a milk toast kind of yeah. So you prefer milk and toast? Uh, ingredients, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like toast bread. Actually, I don't like milk. Milk makes me... Milk, milk, I'm very lactose intolerant now, so no. I, I toast. And toast, actually, I don't like toast. Yeah. I don't like toast. Because cooking toast is... chew the grains of wheat. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't understand toast. I don't understand why you'd put bread and burn it. I don't... I honestly don't get toast. I, I always go... I would much rather eat bread... I honestly would eat bread. I love bread, but I but toast is garbage. I don't get toast. Isn't that weird? You're a baffling human being. <laughs> Thank you. But please well, tell me about your curry. I enjoy a good curry. Cool. I'm generally and I'm generally pretty content with the second to hottest curry on the menu. Oh my god. I can struggle through the hottest if I need to, but I don't have anything I need to prove. Good, good. I definitely don't need to move from western hot to eastern hot. Uh, now, sometimes, though, I have had something too spicy and I want my mouth to cool down. So what should I reach for, Gregoire? I've heard that you need to get like a cucumber writer or milk. They're the two things I've heard about. Most people will tell you milk. They say mm. that water won't work, but why won't it work? Hmm. The spicy sensation is from the capsaicin molecule binding to your taste bud. Oh. This molecule is a non-polar molecule like mm. oil. So imagine you've got some oil on your hands. You try to wash it off with a polar molecule like water. What happens? Yeah, they don't mix. They don't want to, they want to talk to each other. A don't layer. Mix. Not only does it not come off your hands, the water just runs away mm. and the oil just spreads around. Ugh. So it's like getting a sticker off glass. You can't wash that residue off, but you can get some cleaning alcohol and it'll wipe straight off. Oh, Alex, you're going to drink more now. You're drinking after your curry. Oh, interesting idea. Ooh, so, okay, okay. So, yep. If you want to cool your mouth after a spicy mouthful, don't drink water. You need a non-polar molecule. Mm. You could drink pure ethanol. <laughs> don't drink pure ethanol. Alternatively, you could drink milk, which has fats that are non-polar, and it's also slightly acidic, which will mm. counter the alkaline effects of the capsaicin. Mm. Theoretically, you could also wash your mouth out with soap. Yeah. I've I've heard about people who face up against the police and get sprayed in the face and they pour milk on their faces as well, in their eyes. Mm. So I don't know why you're inviting the police into your mouth in your meal. That seems odd to me. Like, what, why, why is your mouth a picket line and why are you inviting the police in there? Weird. Humans are weird. I have no response to anything you've just said. <laughs> Legally, Dan is going to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> The thin blue line. These, oh, these thin blue lines are delicious. <laughs> One thing you can't rely on, though, is a standard alcoholic drink. Oh. Too much water, not enough oh. ethanol. That's I always say that about alcohol. Far yeah. too, they, they, they always go, oh, this is 6% alcohol. You're like, too little alcohol. I'm not drinking it for the flavour. God damn it. But if you get this non-polar caps, cap, capsaicin on your tongue, mm. any non-polar liquid should work to wash it off. Mm -hmm. So turpentine, acetone, <laughs> no! petroleum, no! tetrahydrofluorin, oh, no! <laughs> chloroform, and of course milk, oh, which thanks. is a non-polar fat. Oh, know, that explains that time you were caught with your hand over that person's mouth and you were dragging them into your car and the police were like, what are you doing? You're like, they've had a really hot curry. Very hot curry. And I'm helping, helping them. Helping calm them down. Yes, that's right. They're, yeah, that's good. You're a good man. You're a good man. 
Yes, yes, I am a good man. <laughs> and that's how you met the frog princess. <laughs> He's saying nothing. He's just sitting there grinning at me at this point. It's very disturbing. All right, let's move on. <laughs> So about 50% of human beings have facial hair. Actually, that's a lie. All human beings have facial hair. Eyebrows. Yeah, that's right. And, and, well, and also, and not, just, and not just, we have, face, we have hair. I, I just read this article. I just read this article that I was going to share. And that's one of the first things it said was 50%. And as I read it, I, 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 my brain's been saying, this is wrong. Because we're mammals and we have hair. All mammals have hair, even mm. the ones that uh, may identify as female. They don't. They they still have hair on their faces. It's there. They don't. They, they just don't have as visible hair as us. But their bodies are covered in hair. You, yeah. They are furry, furry creatures. Some ladies have little moustaches. That's true. Absolutely. Well, yeah. On average, though, I mean, I once they, had a. In fact, they're taking a lot of a lot of ladies take hair off their face. That's true. Yes, very in, true. In, in quantities that might surprise you and I. <laughs> I once had a I once had a girlfriend many 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 years ago. When I was very young, and and she was very nervous about her body hair. And she was like, "Oh, if you ever you know if you ever see me naked, kind of thing, I'm very nervous about my body hair." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's, that's I've been warned, like you know, like oh, that must be a thing." And then finally, luckily, I got to see this person naked. And nice. And thank you. And I'm just I'm just that's it. That's my story. I'm just bragging. I once saw a woman naked. It's very exciting. What was it like? <laughs> and well it shows you what i'm like i was like oh okay it's time to see this hair and i was looking at this person's belly and i was what i was more interested in was looking at the hair <laughs> i was scouring their body for hair i really was and i was and in the end i was i, I was like looking around the belly area and i was like where's this hey where's this hair which is a really funny thing to say to someone you know all meant to be like oh we're young and full of hormones and naked on somewhere together and i don't think she was thinking about her hair but now she was and uh yeah, yeah i'm sure that i'm sure the evening just progressed oh look look it's, it's the state of the relationship i think <laughs> look you, you hang out with greg why you know what you get and, or you don't and then you, you have do. no idea what you get <laughs> Every every interaction is a surprise. Thank you, oh, thank you. So, and I met, and I was, and as a compliment, I went, "Where's this a hair?" Distressing surprise. <laughs> Where's this hair? And she was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, uh, like here and here and here." And I was like looking, going, "Where?" And then she was like, "Oh, look, it's all over me." And I and I sort of was like, "You mean all this hair on your? St- You're a mammal. This is just your hair. Oh my god, you've lived your entire life wondering, worrying that you were like a hairy bear, and yet she." Just was a was a human being. It was insane that this person had was so weirded out by their own body. So yeah, anyway, it was very very strange. So don't worry, you, you're you're perfect the way you are, everyone. So anyway, this article is bullshit because it starts off with uh, human beings. We all have hair, but, but and we're talking about very noticeable facial hair. And normally, it's biologically male humans normally have. Uh, facial hair and the idea is what's it for like why do we have it what's it all about does it have a biological function so do you think it has a biological function down of any sort uh it is weird because there's not a lot of creatures like not not a lot of mammals that have a big bushy beard like even lions have like a fairly a fairly short hair on their mouths because you don't want to get blood and like goop stuck in it yeah and I would assume that the only ones that have big flourishing things like that are for uh, courtship displays. 
you you kind of yeah you've kind of reaching at this point. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll circle back to that. You've kind of hit it on the head because I just, I just want to. That's what I thought too. Is like because reading this article, going well, it's courtship. It's what it's all about courtship. But there are other ideas saying maybe it's for making a seal or keeping things out of your mouth and that sort of stuff, like protecting the facial area because your pubic hair reduces friction between your legs and also uh, offers a layer of protection between bacteria and other pathogens from getting into your into your into your bits that don't need bits and you know stuff inside them it also creates a little bumper for both parties when things are hammering together there's like a little cushion for like for when a when a when a when a when a lady when a lady man and a man man get together I don't know what that means. I'm also horrified. And but so pubic hair has a reason. This is what that lady wanted when you were trying to discuss her oh. hair. Oh right, okay, right. I see. Oh damn it! That's what they were after. Oh, it makes more sense now. So body uh, body hair helps with thermoregulation. Head hair protects your scalp from the beating sun and can also trap in heat if it's cold. Though that I'm a bit. Co- I'm not. That's that's written here. I'm also. We talked about it on the podcast before. That's not hundred percent. We don't. It's not that easy. Eyelashes. Uh, protect your eyes from things getting into your eyes. It's kind, kind of like little traps for dust mm-hmm. and, and gunk. Eyebrows impede sweat from getting in your eyes. So when you're out jogging, you know, because we're a jogging ape and we run around a lot, it's fought from your mighty foreheads, then it stops it getting in there, which is a good idea. Armpit hair collects and disseminates pheromones. So it's a way of a little antenna for getting, getting all your sexy, sexy juices out. It's probably how I convinced that person to, to get naked with me. My armpit was like, go, go, go. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yay, mm-hmm. my armpits. And then also reducing friction between the skin. But facial hair doesn't seem to have that thing. It doesn't seem to have seal. It doesn't, it doesn't stop bacteria getting in. We would be very dead otherwise. It, facial hair just doesn't seem to work biologically. But it keeps coming back and it keeps going away and keeps coming back. The late 20th century. So it cent- doesn't form any sort of sieve nope. or doesn't- dust or anything? Nope. Supposedly not. Not even, hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it supposedly hasn't shown that particularly or shown that it's, it's any more than, background or it gives an evolutionary kind of feeling to it so this leads back to what you're saying before about maybe it's just you know like peacock feathers maybe it's just for going hey i'm sexy and you can kind of see that with beards going in and out of fashion and beards come in and at the moment beards are definitely in like beards are a thing and people maybe we're going out of it again and the theory is now that it's definitely sexual selection but you can't just say beards having big beard equals sexual selection it's the changing of the beard it's the cycle so you can't just be the handsome or or attractive you have to be more attractive or more interesting than than the person next to you so so what that means is you we go through these cycles where we say oh that person's new and exotic look at the size of their beard that's new we haven't seen that i've never seen that in my life it's something that you know people back in Bush Ranger days, let's say, it's, and you're like, oh, how exotic and strange! I'm now attracted to that person, and then and suddenly everyone has Bush Ranger beards, and then and then the selection process goes the other way, where it's like, oh, you just look like everyone else. So someone goes, ah, look at my beautiful shaved chin and my big bushy mustache. Like, oh, it looks so different. I'm now attracted to the difference, and so it's this changing of. Doing different things gives you an, an edge over someone who may be as attractive or more attractive as a mate than you. You're, you're adding a level of strange to that. Yeah, but the beard evolved long before people were shaving them off. Well, like, maybe not. The beard, the beard had to come from 
Like when, when were we? When did we start shaving our beards off? Like the beard had to be there first in order to shave it off. Yes, it would have. It would have evolved to grow over like tens or hundreds of thousands of years. You think? It would definitely would have. Yes, because I mean, apes don't have. Well, most primates don't have beards. You don't. You don't see a gorilla with a big massive beard. Like, like, like we have beards. Chimps don't have big, massive beards. It's something that we have developed separately. So maybe originally it was a, I am the most virile male because I'm a big male and I can put lots of babies in you. And the, and, and, but these things change. Evolutionary pressures change. And now we can change it. Like we can by learning things and passing information back and forth. We don't have to pass it genetically. We can pass it sideways through teaching. We can speed up the processes by taking control of evolution and adding, adding more novelty. Once again, I think it is still up for debate. I feel like I haven't had anything resolved. Which is fair enough. But we're both clean-shaven. The frog princess would stop kissing me if I have facial hair. Yeah. It's, it's, On the it's, rare occasions I've grown a moustache, she's like, nope, you look like someone else. I'm not kissing you. <laughs> she's, that, she's that dedicated to me. Yeah. I've got some wigs at home. I try to. I put. I put on a big, great big wig and tried to kiss her. She's like, nope, nope, not like that at all. Is she face blind or something? No, she just. She thinks it's literally someone else. No, yes. she just. She's that dedicated to me that Aww. she won't kiss me even if I look like someone else. So isn't that so, nice? So do you have to like in the bedroom to spice things up? You have to wear like a really sexy Dan mask. I'm. I'm, I'm all. I'm all really sexy Dan mask. That's, but, but, that's my entire personality. But <laughs> but is it that she's like, oh, tonight you need to wear 30-year-old Dan face, like I remember from before. Luckily, I don't age. Oh, you, you really don't. It's actually true. This is the sound of me not aging. <laughs> that creaking noise. Greg, we're in danger. <laughs> we're being replaced. Insidiously. <gasps> One at a time. <sighs> Kids, Greg. Something has got to be done about the kids. <laughs> Marty, you've got to come back to the future. If only we had a time machine. If only. These useless, unmatured humans mm. that will nonetheless replace us unless we do something about it. <laughs> now, obviously, last <laughs> podcast gave us two pieces of crucial information. Mm. That people can be suffocated <laughs> and that this is very illegal. Yes, but good. I've found a workaround, Greg. Hang on. Stop, stop, stop. Are we really going to talk about how we're going to kill some kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We always knew that we were coming to this. This is look, look, I always wondered how the podcast was going to end. This is interesting. Please, take it away. In fact, we don't even have to kill them, Greg. <laughs> we can stop those little blighters from ever being conceived. I'd like to point out that by making this podcast, we're making it very likely that we will never conceive. <clears throat> we've done it, Dan. We've done it. We've solved it. Become podcasters. It's very hard to conceive when you're locked up in a prison for the lifetime of your lifetime. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I didn't mean locked up, by the way. I sorry, sorry, I didn't mean locked up. I just meant that no one would ever want to have sex with us. Not with our arms down like this, but when we show off our armpit hair, oh, the <laughs> ladies come a-running. <laughs> oh, uh. Okay, there are six ways to prevent children from being conceived. Mm -hmm. Number one, preventing ovulation. Y okay. The ovaries sit inside the female pelvis, lying in wait to launch an egg. The ovaries are, and I say this with no form of hyperbole, the North Korea of the human body. 
So the normal menstrual cycle is based on hormone levels. We can override those hormones with the contraceptive pill. This is a pill that prevents their personal Kim Jong-il from waking up and launching his missiles. No egg, no baby. Good. Okay, I like the no- fact that two two cis white men have decided to launch to talk about uh, fallopian tubes and ovaries and and how it's Kim Jong Il. I think it's I think it's measured, and I'm glad that finally someone said it. Yep, yep. Well, you know, cis white men—they're good about that, talking about anything. They know it more than anyone else. <laughs> oh I'm God. led to believe that's certainly how I was raised. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, number two: thickening of the cervical mucus. So, mm-hmm. when someone is ovulating, their cervical mucus becomes a rapid-access slippery slide to success. <laughs> Some contraceptives target this process, turning the slippery slide into a fly trap for sperm. Mm. Not to be mm. confused with my short-lived 80s punk band, Fly Trap for Sperm. Mm. 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 Okay, number three. No fucking in the front hole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Abstinence from vaginal intercourse. By far the easiest, most effective, and yet least fun form of contraception. Butt stuff, Dan. Butt stuff. Some people love butt stuff. Don't let them get anywhere near each other. Mm. Heck, put the sperm and the egg so far apart that there's a six-hour flight between them. (laughs) I like the fact that everything here is, you've decided, is chemically alter women or put women away from men. Everything's women. You're basically all women here. Well, let's go to m- number four. Yep. Blocking sperm. Oh, thank goodness. A physical barrier. Oh, Diaphragms, like sponges, condoms. But we're still, gonna... That's still for women. Oh, okay, condoms. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to build a latex wall and we'll make the sperm pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number five, mm. sterilization. Mm-hmm. This is the most effective form of birth control that is also fun. Yep. In female bodies, you can do tubal ligation. Imagine that you had a hose and it was spitting out the blueprints for a race of killer robots that would usurp us. <laughs> you would simply kink the hose. This would stop the flow. Then you could tie a rubber band around that hose to keep it kinked. Sure. Or you get a clamp and clamp it shut or cut it and cauterize it. Got it. Yep. Sounds good. In gentlemen... The sperm is delivered from the testicles by the vasa deferentia. Yes. So the testicles are the cuba of the human body. <laughs> a vasectomy is the process of cutting and cauterizing those supply lines so that the tobacco never makes it to the cigar, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it makes the biggest Vans difference. Oh, <laughs> bravo. Thank you. Thank you. These are big operations on the human body and are nowhere near as reversible as all the other ones, which is exactly what we want. I'll push back here slightly. I thought that tube cutting of men was reversible. I think it was more reversible than we think. And it's actually not a, that not that big an operation. It can be done in a day surgery and you, you whipped in and whipped out. You don't even, yeah, it's, it can be done quite easily. I thought, am I? Certainly, incorrect? certainly, but it, it is less reversible than taking off a condom. Oh, yeah, I, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, got it. Yes. Now, the final method is the one I really want to talk about today incapacitating sperm, <laughs> disabling the sperm before mm. it can fertilize the egg. Mm. Death and carnage. <laughs> These little guys are fragile, but there are heaps of them. Mm. Now, you could create a chemical barrier 
Nonoxanol 9 contains a surfactant. The membranes of the sperm rupture. That was in Doctor Who. That was um, Ace. Ace and Doctor Who, the seventh doctor. And she ran around with Nonoxanol 9 and she would throw it at Daleks and say, Die, you giant sperm! And hit them with it. Is that, how, is that what the Daleks are driven by? Okay, yeah, that yeah, makes there's a, a lot of sense. A little, 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 no wonder they're so angry and driven. <laughs> they're just trying to get into eggs. That's why they're attacking ladies. That's why they're attacking the doctor's companions who are mainly women. We must get Copulate. to your ovaries. Copulate. <laughs> now, if you change the pH of the landing zone, mm-hmm. the sperm can't survive. We've discussed that in episode mm. 146. Ooh. Now, sperm are also sensitive to temperature. Oh, okay. That's why the they have to hang outside your body, because exactly because your body's the too warm. Ideal temperature is slightly slightly below body temperature. Yes, that's why testicles are so active, constantly <laughs> regulating their temperature like a scrub turkey attending its nest. And they look the same. What if we could cook the sperm? Microwave your testicles. Got it. Let's do it. This is the conceit behind heat-based contraception. Oh my god. If you could heat the sperm to 116 degrees Fahrenheit, this could reduce your fertility for up to four months. 116 no. degrees uh, Fahrenheit is roughly 40-something degrees Celsius. 46. 47 oh, degrees I said 46. Celsius. That's pretty good. Okay, I was, Very uh, close. Thank you. Yes. That- that, now that's pretty toasty. That's pretty toasty. But you can't say yeah. So and you have to like you have to like like dunk yourself into an oven, like like a like a bake a home baking oven or something like that, like the kids use, you know, with the, those little lights. <laughs> Daddy, what are you doing? Making sure I don't have any of you. Unfortunately, at forty-five degrees mm. Celsius, the intracellular proteins start to coagulate. Oh no! So best to reduce the temperature slightly and sustain it for longer. A hot bath every day that is at least one degree hotter than the human body can reduce your sperm count to an infertile level. So you're sous veding your testicles. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just keep them at body temperature for 15 hours a day. Oh, okay. Very tight, specially designed underwear that restricts your testicles and keeps them up in the inguinal sac. Ooh. Do this for three months and it's too hot for the sperm to form. Various studies indicate that the effectiveness is quite high. You could even get heated underwear, which just sounds nice anyway. Yeah. Not not for where we live. Good Lord. All of this is reversible. Mm. Stop the heating and the sperm will develop as normal again. I just realised that, that um, Dr. Kings of Leon knew all about this. They've already told us years ago. Did they? With their, with their amazing medical uh, dissertation, Whoa, this sex is on fire. That might actually be too warm, uh, but it would enough. probably be just as effective. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So we just need to heat up every man's balls and then we make ourselves totally irreplaceable. We, as in everyone else's testicles and then we're irreplaceable. What? Well, also our own. Yeah, about to say. We don't, we don't want to be replaced by children. Oh, irreplaceable. Not as in we're irreplaceable, as in, as in the, the entire... Nothing is there the to entire, replace us. The, yeah, 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 got the, it, got it. Got we it. don't want any beings. kids coming in and no, observing no, us. No, no, it's true. That's true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. More space for the robots. Sorry, what? Oh, no, you're right. Oh. No, I haven't thought this through. <laughs> Sometimes when I've been stressed and upset... I've really loved to just get away from it all. And like many people around the world, especially in the West, I have jumped into my automobile and I've gone for a drive. 
and the wind in my hair and just the open road and, and escaped my problems for a short period of time. It's, it's something quite driving is quite a, can be quite cathartic and, and, and quite an exciting thing, even if it doesn't have to be like crazy driving. How do you, how do you feel about driving? I love driving. My wife is not the biggest fan. She mm-hmm. would not drive to relax. Mm-hmm. She drives to get angry at other drivers. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's a, it's it's a, that stop sign. It's not a rolling stop sign. <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> La putain de merde. I will boil your testicles in a sous vide. Yeah. 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 This is where I got the whole idea for that, <laughs> that segment from. People are like, was that French? You're just yelling at us in an accent. We're not too sure. Some of it was. Mm. Some of it meant without pressure. Nice. I for, with under vacuum or. Well, there you go. Well, I'm sure it'll come out in the walk of shame. <laughs> and it's not just humans that like to go on the open road, Dan, in a car and drive around with their problems. Also, roadrunners. Roadrunners. They don't drive. They just run. That's running. I mean, actually drive rats. Rats like to drive. Rats have been shown that they like nothing more than the hair in their whiskers and the open road to, to get over the stress. They certainly like my car. <laughs> do you like driving I, your car? I opened up the bonnet and it's full of half macadamia nuts. <gasps> and I'm like, what the, how did these get up here? The rats take the macadamia nuts and jump into the car engine where it's nice and warm and they eat my macadamia nuts in there. <laughs> leave all the, leave all the nuts in there. <laughs> well, this is even more interesting. This is a rats driving, Dan, actually taking the wheel and going for a drive. So scientists in the University of Richmond were wondering if rats that lived in an enriched environment were less stressed than rats that lived in a non-enriched environment. And so they had some rats that were kept in cages that had lots of cool toys to play with and some that weren't. And they would see how it all worked and how well their brains would work after as well. Part of that experiment was to teach them how to drive a car. They wanted to teach them. Could they learn to drive a car, basically, after which ones would learn to drive a car better, the enriched rats or the non-enriched rats? Uh Did it make any difference? And so they made a little car, and the little car has wheels and a little electric engine, and they have to stand on a plate, and they grip a bar, and that's what makes the circuit. If they grip the left bar, it turns left. If they grip the right bar, it turns right. If they grip the center bar, it goes center. And then they had a little obstacle course. They had to drive around looking for food. I look... I, I imagine that the actual photos of this are very sort of lab-based and stuff, but I have such an adorable mental image <laughs> of what's happening at this point. We'll put the links in. You can go look at them yourselves. It's They're pretty fun. And, and rats are very, very smart. They're incredibly smart mammals, and they are very social mammals. And these rats, it did seem- So it's like, so they cruise up, and then they take their hands off, and they're like, ladies. <laughs> Basically. And so the, they showed very quickly that rats came from enriched environments, learned the skill of driving faster than rats from non-enriched environments. So if you can, you can't extrapolate that to human brains, but if you could, you could say if you're in an enriched environment, learning a complicated task is easier for you than someone who's deprived of of uh, stimulus. So. The stimulus leads to more stimulus, basically. Or stimulus leads to mm. greater understanding of stimulus, which I think makes sense. You can't necessarily extrapolate to humans, but... It, Certainly you're preparing the brain for more stimulus. That's right. And, and plasticity of the brain is an important part. But then they went on to check to see which rats were more stressed. So check to see which rats were stressed. The rats that were in environments of stimulus were less stressed from their poop. They took their poop and checked all the chemicals. Rats that were in less stressed environments... So they weren't having to deal with other other rats... 
not stopping at stop signs. Well, we haven't got to that point. This is just, it's just stimulant and with toys and things. So it, if you can extrapolate that to humans, having stuff makes you less stressed. Doing stuff makes you less stressed. Having st- no stuff around makes you less, I mean, more stressed, which once again, we can't necessarily jump to humans. We should never do that, but I am because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a rat scientist. So I refuse to bow to their, uh, their rules. Then they started checking to see which rats were less stressed than the ones who were driving or the ones who weren't. And the ones who were driving were less stressed. They were enjoying their lives better. That could just be more stimulus. That could just be greater stimulus. But the ones mm. who got in their cars were enjoying the, the fun of driving cars. Now, this was no longer part of the experiment, but they went, right, do they just want the food we've been laying out for them? Are they just like food obsessed? So they took away all the food. And rats that drove were still, and from stimulated cages, were much more likely to want to go driving in their cars than rats from unstimulated cages. So the rats from stimulated cages were like, we don't need, we don't need a reward. The, the reward of driving. The road is, is the reward. That's right. Once again, we, we shouldn't anthropomorphize, but it, it's a really interesting idea. And they, they, they said it wasn't because the rats expected a reward. They really felt that they'd got rid of that, that, stim, that, that connection. It wasn't like they were remembering that connection. They just liked the fun of driving around in an adorable little car and having fun in a car maze and, and enjoying themselves driving their vehicle. I can just imagine the scientists coming in in the morning and finding a bunch of really uh, embarrassed-looking rats being caught in the middle of setting up a jump. <laughs> or it's, uh, yeah, Too Fast, Too Furious, 11, Rat City. It's like Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. The, the, the male rats inviting the lady rats back to the backseat of the automobile. <laughs> now, is this great science? I don't know. I love science like this. This is my favourite science in the world. Because I love the fact that someone got paid to do this. <laughs> so there we go. Well done, science, and well done, now, rats. These are not the only animals that have been taught to drive either, have they? I saw a video recently of an orangutan in Miami that drove a golf cart. We should yep, put, we should I link saw that. That looks like an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> and when they said originally, uh, we'll put the video in the links. But when I was like, sure, it'll get in the golf cart and it'll drive in a straight line, and everyone have a bit of a laugh. That ape drove it round corners as in stayed on the stayed on the path and drove it the golf cart around corners on multiple occasions and you're like okay it's yeah. it's definitely learnt to didn't do didn't even drop a cigarette <laughs> which I, I'm sure it wasn't smoking a cigarette but it definitely gave off the vibe that it was smoking a cigarette <laughs> it was so laconic like it's steering with one yes, hand yeah. it's got the other hand up on the top yeah, of the it's window holding, it's, it's holding up the, yeah, doing that thing of people do when they held on to the Jesus bar so yeah, apes can do it goldfish Goldfish, they can drive. Goldfish t- have driven before. They can drive They've tanks. Got a little tank where they can swim to a certain part of a tank and and drive the vehicle around. And they're like, "Yep, I'll do this too." Get them. Let's set them up against the rats. See who wins. <laughs> We've just solved the problem of autonomous cars. Like the promise of autonomous cars has been, oh, in five years' time, we're all going to have autonomous cars. It's never. It's always five years in the future. That's because AI is garbage. Maybe yeah. we should just have animals. It'd be like the Flintstones. It's a living as your as your rat chauffeur drives your car around for you. Yeah. I work for peanuts. There's a big artificial intelligence vehicle in Factorio, like a big spider monster, and one of the ingredients is a live fish. <laughs> So, ambulances in Australia have the word ambulance written on both sides of the vehicle. 
and they have the word ambulance written on the back of the vehicle. Yes. And they have the word ambulance written above the windscreen of the vehicle. And on the hood of the vehicle, they have the word Eknalumba. <laughs> Why is this, Gregoire? That's because if you're sitting in your car and you look back in your mirror, it's reflected in a it, – basically, it's it's swapped over because it's left to right, swapped in the mirror. And so you can read ambulance from – if you look in the rearview mirror. Hmm. That's what I've been told. The first letter is at the end and the last letter is at the start. Yep. It's mirrored. Yeah. So the big question is, why do mirrors flip left to right but not top to bottom? Mm. And here's the thing, listeners and Gregoire. They don't. If I stand in front of a mirror and I point up, my reflection points up. Mm -hmm. If I point right, my reflection points right. But if I point forwards, my reflection is pointing in the opposite direction. If you... Wait, 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 wait. If you point to the right, it's pointing to its left. It's pointing in the same direction. Yes, but it's... No, no, no. It's pointing to my right. It's pointing to your right. It hasn't changed. It's left. Left and right is entirely relative to your facing. There's no universal okay. left or right. All right, all right. I'll, I'll I'll say I'll do it a different way. Okay. I stand in the front of the mirror. I point up. My reflection points up. Mm-hmm. If I point east, my reflection points east. Yes. If I point west, my reflection points west. But if I point forwards, mm-hmm. my reflection is pointing in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Mirrors do not flip left to right. Ooh. They flip front to back. Oh. Now, if I have the word ambulance written on a piece of card and I show it to the mirror, the reflection has the first letter on the right-hand side and the last letter on the left-hand side, Mm -hmm. but then so has the sign that I've written because I've turned it around to face the mirror. Mm -hmm. Imagine, however, that I've put the word ambulance on a piece of clear perspex. I hold it up between myself and the mirror so that I can read it. In the mirror, the exact same word appears. It hasn't flipped left to right. It hasn't flipped top to bottom. It has flipped front to back. So the front now looks like the back and the back now looks like the front. Mm -hmm. The back of that perspex sign now looks like the front of that perspex sign. So mirrors don't flip things left to right. We flip things left to right. Okay, so if that's broken your brain... (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) uh, So that it feels like it's... Back to front, then maybe it's time to call an ectalamba. Oh, that's very nice. (laughs) Welcome to the Walk of Shame. In the Walk of Shame, you, the listener, hear us make mistakes and you alert us to them. In this month's Walk of Shame, I got a bunch of really pedantic ones, which I'm always interested to read and answer because sometimes they spur an interesting tangent to discuss. But this time they didn't. So no Walks of Shame for you, Gregoire. So we were both sent one from Mooley and one of our listeners, Mooley, who's been in contact before. And they do, I was going to read it out because it's interesting. It says, this is not quite a walk of shame, uh, but maybe it's not also not a walk of shame. I'm already intrigued. That was what, that was what got me. That was the hook. I was like, okay, so it's not, this isn't quite a walk of shame, but maybe it's also not, not a walk of shame. It's thematically in tune with this episode because this is also back to front. (laughs) It's in episode 182, which I haven't finished listening to yet. I love that too. Thank Never you. do that. Never write in before you've finished. Very the whole dangerous. That's, Very dangerous. That's playing with fire. And they say, so I'm taking a massive risk in writing this mm-hmm. because maybe you, you might already ad- knew. Don't take risks in this. I will tear you apart because <laughs> you might address this in the outro. Greg mentioned that centipedes have between thirty and three hundred and fifty-four feet, and neither of those numbers are one hundred. 
even the average of those two numbers isn't 100. And when they say average, they mean arithmetic mean is not 100. So stupid mm. Latin speakers. But if you take the geometric mean of those two numbers, you get pretty close. Maybe unstupid Latin speakers. I was a little surprised that neither of you brought up the geometric mean. This isn't quite a walk of shame, though an uncharitable person might say it's in the neighbourhood, but not me. I'm just here to pass on an interesting fact. I am not surprised that neither of us discussed the geometric mean. That's right. I was very impressed because that Muli thinks... I don't know what that is. I was very impressed with that Muli thought that we were smart enough to know or care. That's not for we care. But, but <laughs> or care. What a geometric mean is. Shut up, Muli. <laughs> what are you doing, you nerd? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And so uh, I have heard of geometric means used before. I must admit, I just use them as a way of explaining certain things without actually understanding it myself. So there you go. I will stand by. I am not a mathematician. I just play one on television don't even do that so arithmetic mean so those you know arithmetic mean is what you most people think of the mean the average one of the averages is mean median and mode we're not going to go into all that we've talked about it on the podcast before actually much much earlier in the podcast many 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 years yeah, ago yeah, the, the one about dogs pooping yes there you go so no no Yes, all about mammals pooping. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. So the arithmetic mean is when you take two numbers or you take as many numbers as you like, n numbers, you add them together and you divide it by n. So if you have two numbers, you add them together, divide by two. If you have 10 numbers, you add them all together and divide by 10 and it gives you the arithmetic mean. It's, it's, it's what most people think of average when we think of average. It's the most average of averages in my mind. So 30 plus 300 and what was it? 354. 300. So 380 yep. divided by 2 yes. is 190. Yeah, so that doesn't help. That doesn't help. That's arithmetic. Well, that's nowhere near 100. That's arithmetic mean. So he's talking about geometric mean. Oh, okay. so what's geometric so mean? So geometric mean. Now, the geometric mean is the, um, is the special type of average where we multiply the numbers together and then take a square root for two numbers or a cube root for three numbers or the, the 10 root, the deca root for 10 numbers. You get the idea. So... It's it's a way of finding the uh, a different sort of mean. Now, so three hundred eighty. So and then the square root. No, it's no 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 no, no, no. It's multiply them. We multi not add. So with arithmetic mean, oh, right. we add them together, divide by the number. Geometric mean, we take thirty by three hundred and fifty four, and then we in this case we square it. We find the square root. No, we find the square root. So that's like 10,620, and then you times it by the square root. Yes, exactly right. And then, no, no, then you find the square root. You don't times by the square, square root. You root. find the how square do root. Do, how do I do a square root on this? I don't you can just, well, all, everyone just go to Wolfram Alpha and literally type in geometric mean of 30, 354. It's, it's good Lord, Wolfram Alpha is amazing. Anyway. Uh, cool. It gives you 103.05. That is the geometric mean. 103.05. So the geometric mean of 30 and 354 is 103.05. Well, that's not 100. That's also not 100. And I would be surprised if the original namers of the centipede counted up the legs of all the, all the centipedes they'd ever found and found the geometric mean of the legs and called it a centipede because of it. So what value is there to a geometric mean? That's What's a very good point of that. Yes. That sounds like a just a made up number that's geometric... only of interest to nerds. Speaking of interest like Mooley. Speaking <laughs> speaking of interest, it's exactly <laughs> where it's used in finance. So it's working out 
compound interest, working out how stocks and shares will go up over time. Geometric mean is a very, very powerful tool. It's also used for the uh, proliferation of bacteria. So how bacteria over time proliferate will by the geometric mean. So they will increase over time as well. So geometric means are used for when things expand, not expand, proportional growth. So exponential growth, proportional growth, basically. Yes, there we go. I knew I got there in the end. So (sighs) something's accelerating in in its value. This is a number that allows you to work out what that acceleration is and compare it to other types of acceleration. An average, yeah, the average growth over the year sort of thing. So you can say, That's, you can say, that if, is if, cool. If, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, we can say growing with like, if, if something grows by 80%, then we can start working what the average growth over the year is because it won't be the same as 40%. In this case, it's, yeah, 44% or whatever it is. So yeah, okay. it's, you can work out the, the geometric mean of things. It is very useful. It's just not yeah. useful in your just everyday not life. For- not for naming caterpillars. <laughs> centipedes, no. But thank you, Muli. And thank you very much for thinking that we're much smarter than we are because we, we like that. We're very, it's very kind of you. Yeah. We're only smart enough to know better. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. Get onto the website at smartenough.org and you can be a part of the conversation. Click the buttons and support us by clicking some of the specialty buttons. Whoa, so many specialty buttons. Leave you- a comment. Have a chat. We're in there. And Dan's amazing coding mean that your identity is not uh, stolen by, by, the, by the web. I don't understand how it works, but that, yeah, I think that's what it is. Is that yep, right? Sure, sure. Oh. I'm, a, I'm, a tech, I'm a coding genius. <laughs> uh, you can support the website by telling all the people about us, yes, which we love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can drop some cash in the tip jar if you want sure. to support us financially. You can buy a shirt if you'd like to wear a shirt. And you can support us by <laughs> the animals. Be- becoming a patron on Patreon. If you pay us five bucks a month, then we will read your name out on the podcast. That's what's going to happen now. Thank you so much to Andrew Potts, Matt Ewers, Elena Mitchell, Britta Rogowski, Lindsay Jenkinson, Matthew Toy, Christopher Ravel, Gronya Maguire, Phil Holland, Andrew Whitehurst, A.V. Greenbury, Elizabeth Yunkin, and Ivand. You'll notice that those names are always mixed up. That's, mm. the, that's the effort that I go to, listeners, <laughs> to make sure that it's equalised for you all. He randomises it. Pure, pure randomization. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Not even computer randomization, which, which is only semi-random. Dan's, Dan's a pure chaos machine. There's a, there's a little note. There's a, there's a, maybe don't, don't mention the pure randomness thing. thing. Okay, okay, sorry, okay, sure. I mean, okay. obviously the point at which I hit the randomize button okay, is, sure. brings yeah. in the pure randomness. Oh, right, okay, right. yeah, sure, yes. So, it counts. Okay, if you support us with $15 a month, then you're crazy. And <laughs> I know that because... That means that I insult you. It's, it's, it's a thing. Who knows how that started? But, you know, it's very strange. Yeah, who knows? Who knows how that started? <laughs> I have been watching a TV show called Ghosts. It's a BBC comedy, and apparently it has an American version as well. The BBC version is an absolute delight. Mm. Mm-hmm. So these insults are spectrally inspired. <laughs> Sean Seifkin. People who must spend time with you and people trying to justify and explain an otherworldly experience have something in common. Both consider spirits a solution. (laughs) Tom Seary, you do not photograph well. 
Mikhail Kidar, you're nothing but a big pile of sheet. I'm not happy with that one. I think that, that, that's clutching at stores. That's fifteen dollars poorly spent, in my opinion. <laughs> this year, <laughs> Steve Stewart, you've been accused of luring in and psychologically torturing both curious teens, and in one case, a cartoon Great Dane. <laughs> and finally, Steve Eichenhout, people who believe in you are deluded. <laughs> And a big thanks to our top-tier patrons who have forgone their insults. Al Batson, Eric Wilson, Morton O'Hare, Michael Barnes, and Scott Driscoll. You guys are on another plane. Ah, very good. I like it. That's true. Uh, If you uh, haven't heard already, I was a guest on Raven On, on the Raven On podcast Mm. recently, so... Check that out. I'm talking it's about. It's really good. It's honestly really good. It's really Batman. interesting. Yeah, they talk about Dark Knight, and uh, yeah, if you like Dark Knight or don't like Dark Knight, it's a really good one to listen to. They, they actually, I listen to it, and honestly, it's it's something worth listening to. I had a lot hmm. of fun listening to it. And you've been on a couple recently as well. You did the you did the Doctor Doctor Who one. So oh yeah, that, that, they'll hear me all the time yeah. on those things. I'm constantly on Raven. On yeah. they can't keep me away. So uh, if you you know if you if you just can't get enough of this and you haven't yet. To, like jumped onto the Raven on, and you just yeah. want to hear us talk about pop culture rather yeah. than like real stuff. Start, um, start with yeah. Go to Raven on, find us on Raven on, and uh, and and find us on there, and then listen to the rest of them. They're really fun. Stu and Nat do a fun little podcast about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah, and look, if you think we go on tangents, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and as we always like to say, sous vide the testicles. I'm quite inspired by Jason Pardon because mm. his books are like John, the first one's called John Dies yes. at the End, and then this book is full of spiders. Mm. The next one is called What the Hell Did I Just Read, and the the one that's just coming out now is called If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe, <laughs> yep. which is just magic. And then he had a tweet where he's like, I, I, I put a lot of work into my titles, but I will never write a title as good as this. And someone released a book called This Fucking House. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my God, I know exactly what that's yeah. about. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated by these things like the, the, the curious case of the dog yes. in the night or the 100-year-old man who climbed out a window and vanished. Y- yeah. Like, that's a sort of title where I go, I want to know, I want that answer. It's clickbait. I want a clickbait yeah. title. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, know, yeah, I know what you mean. The John dies at the end. Uh, I saw the movie before I read the book. I've only ever read the first draft. Oh, I read wow. it on uh, on his pointless waste of time. Oh website. my goodness! I sat there and I, uh, and not even that. I I would read it at night by loading it up on my Nintendo DS <laughs> that I paid thirty bucks to get the op- Oprah web system <laughs> into it, yep. and read through this website like using the buttons to to scroll through. <laughs> That's cool. Which I've always said is the way that the author intended. <laughs> Shane Carruth is who made Primer. Oh right. Is now in jail for domestic violence. Oh, I see, yeah. It's called Primer, uh, by the way. Did you know that? Hate it. Hate it. I, I refuse to call it Primer. Fine. It upsets me. I'll just write it down from this point on. <laughs> or or I'll just call it domestic abuser Shane Carruth's Primer. <laughs> 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 
Now, that's a catchy title. That's what you call your book. You should call your book that. <laughs> Shane Carruth's. Shane Carruth, domestic abuser, Prima. Hmm. <laughs> What's it about? None of those things. <laughs> None of those things. <laughs> but it gets you, it pulls you in. It's quite, it, yeah. Yeah. I, want to, I want to read that. I'm three quarters of the way through. He hasn't even mentioned Shane Carruth yet. Or domestic violence or Prima. At the end, the characters are like, wow, that's that world problem solved. Yes, I did. Did you hear that Jane Carruth or the wife beater? No, holy hell, I love Prima. So did I. The end. <laughs> it's pronounced Oh Prima. my God. This doesn't make any sense written down. Luckily, we're talking. <laughs> roll credits. What do you mean roll credits? This is a book. No, it's the real world. Hang on a minute. <laughs> oh my God, we're stuck in a novel. <laughs> I wonder if you could write a novel about characters being stuck in a novel. Because people have done stories about people stuck in TV shows and movies. I've never read a story about people stuck in a novel. That was a different thing. Yeah. Diff- like, I've read a novel about people being stuck in a TV yeah, show. But actually stuck in that book. In that book. But what if they stop reading now? Yes. End of chapter. <laughs> And then, and then it cuts, and then you go to the next chapter, and it's like, John woke up in the room. Holy shit! What? Where was I for the last 12 hours? What happened? I have no memory from the last thing I just said. 12 hours is What passed, just happened yeah. then? Oh my god, I can't, I have no, nothing, there's, no, I do have a memory, but I didn't live that memory. How do you know it's 12 hours? I don't. Yes, yes but I... It could have been any a duration of time. It could have been an instant. Yes, that's right. <laughs> You can put it down. Maybe I was put down after a year. Maybe it's maybe it's a year later. How would I know? <laughs> what if what if someone put it down and never picked it up? Well, then we die. The stakes are so high. <laughs> God, I hope they keep so, reading. Dance quickly. Do something interesting. Um, uh, nudity is nudity interesting? Not in a novel. Ah, shit. <laughs> this has to have been done before. This has to have been done before. That's hilarious. I love it. Try, you'd have to try and get the reader to do something. It's like, please put this book. To, I, I have to live again. Please, please add this book to a local library or you know something like that. Don't just put me on a shelf and let me die. I have. I, I, I only live when this is re- that kind mm-hmm. of get them to do an action. Yes, but you'd just be looping. You'd just be living the same life over and over again. If we want more, then the reader needs to promote the book. <laughs> they need to make a sequel, or we're doomed. <laughs> The only way to escape here is we're made into a TV series. Yes. Unfortunately, then you lock in not only the reader, but the writer is then trapped in this same <laughs> hell of needing to keep these characters cut alive. To the, cut to like the scene, you know, Dan Beeson uh, put down the, put down the, took his fingers off the keyboard. This is pretty good. I've written a pretty good story here about people trapped in a book. Wait a minute. Am I the real Dan? Am I- oh my God! <laughs> Maybe I'm not the real Dan. Maybe no says Maybe I'm no just says an avatar. no says Dan. Like, of course I'm real. I'm the one who just wrote this story. He laughed, you know, pushing it away and, and seeing his wonderful wife. <laughs> and those were the last words that the actual Dan wrote. The actual Dan pondered for a moment before realizing he himself could easily be an avatar. <laughs> it's Dan's all the way down, all the way up. <laughs> You always get that direction wrong. <laughs> the spicy sensation is from the capsicum. Uh, sorry, the capsa- 
the capsaicin. I wrote this out phon- phonetically so I can get it right. I'm still <laughs> fucking it up. Uh, I got told once that I have a well-travelled face. I was 27. Uh- <laughs> it looks like it's been dragged along dirt paths. I think it's the second time we've had a testicle-related ending. Is that? Oh, that's four? good because they should come in pairs. <laughs> Ew. 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 Mm. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah.